Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, YouTube promises to play nicer with kids and a possible political battle over the Bahamas. But first... So the 2019 National Football League season kicks off tonight with the Green Bay Packers battling the Chicago Bears. And for lots of Americans, that means it's time to begin wagering. To be more specific, a new morning consult poll shows that 15% of American adults plan to bet on a game this upcoming season. And that number rises to 24% of American adults who would bet on a game if only it were legal and convenient to do so in their states. So quick caveat here. Yes, the survey was done on behalf of the American Gaming Association. Association. But even if you cut the results in half, it is a massive number and enabled by a May 2018 Supreme Court decision that said states could allow sports betting if they wanted to. So far, 17 states have done so. A bit of a slower pace than some expected, but still significant, particularly given the large populations in some places like New York and Pennsylvania. So a lot of that betting will be done the old fashioned way via in-person sports books. But a lot of it will also be done via smartphones, as many of those 17 states now allow mobile app-based betting, which is offered by a number of gaming and tech companies, sometimes in partnership with one another, including well-known fantasy sports betting sites DraftKings and FanDuel. The bottom line, we don't yet know who will win the Super Bowl, but we do know that the house doesn't plan to lose. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings. At this time last year, NFL kickoff time, the Supreme Court had just kind of legalized sports betting or allowed states to legalize sports betting. And there was a feeling that by the time this new NFL season rolled around, it would be allowed in most of the 50 states. But it's not. It's like 17 right now. Why do you think it hasn't expanded faster? Uh, I didn't see anybody predicting by this NFL be allowed in all 50. I mean, you know, it takes time. The government process moves slowly. I think actually the fact that it's in as many states as it is only 15 months after the Supreme Court overturned the federal law is quite remarkable. It shows there's a lot of states interested in doing this. And I expect there'll be many more in the coming years, but some of them want to kind of wait and see what others do and, and learn from that, I think. Given that we have had it legal in certain states, you know, for over a year at this point, do you feel there have been some kind of macro lessons learned right now, not just for other states, but also for companies like yours? I think so. I mean, for the most part, it's been really, I think, a, a positive story. And so, you know, usually when things are going well is not when you learn the most lessons. But there have been some moments that I think have caused everybody to reflect and say, hey, you know, we need to make sure that we're being thoughtful about every step along the way. But for the most part, I think it's been pretty smooth. Any one of those moments stand out? You know, I don't want to call anybody out, but there was, you know, a couple of things in the first season. It's just between us. Uh, <laughs> 
Tune us and all your listeners. I mean, I think the most important thing is we learn, all of us, what a palpable error was when there was an incident at one of the physical sports books where they misprinted a ticket. So that was something that, you know, I think was a lesson for the industry. And ultimately, uh, I think it landed in a good place but something that for a brief period caused a bit of a PR blow-up. That was very diplomatic. I'm wondering, for DraftKings particularly, you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, I think, what, are right now in four states is in terms of actual mobile betting on games, not your general fantasy products. You're in four. For you, how do you view rollout, and how difficult and involved is it to expand into a new state? We're in two states on mobile now, four total. So we have physical books in New York and Mississippi as well. And then we're on mobile in New Jersey. We also have a physical book in New Jersey, and we are on mobile in West Virginia. Very uh, exciting times. We're in 44 states for fantasy, so we hope that that number uh, looks more like what the sports betting landscape looks like in a few years. And we're hoping this NFL season to launch Pennsylvania, Indiana, Iowa. Lots of new markets should be opening up in the coming months. I've been told, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but that for a company like you, it is easier to convert a game better. So somebody, say, in Jersey or New York who's betting on games onto your other products, your daily fantasy products and other products, than it is the other way around, to get a daily fantasy player to start betting on games. Is that accurate? And if so, why do you think that is? I don't think that. No, that's not really what we're seeing. We're seeing pretty good conversion from the daily fantasy product onto the sports betting product. And we are seeing conversion the other way around, but I think it's actually a little stronger from fantasy onto sports betting. The reason I think that that's happening is I think there are a lot of people who were playing daily fantasy who would have been betting on sports, or maybe they were in an illegal market, and now they can on uh, the DraftKings mobile app. And so, you know, it's a very easy transition for them. They're familiar with our brand. They trust us. They've already gotten used to one of our products, and there's a new one. I think for a lot of other people, you know, sports betting is a new product and they're going to spend some time on that before they adopt other products. But we are seeing really strong crossover onto iGaming as well as fantasy sports from the daily fantasy sports from the players we've acquired on the sportsbook product. So that is true, but it's a little bit better going from fantasy to, to sports betting. Jason, you mentioned those physical sports books you have in places like Jersey and New York. A company like DraftKings, which is viewed, I think, generally as a mobile product, right? You know, a, a something that you use on your phone or on a desktop, I guess. Why do you have physical sports books? What's the benefit of that to you? You know, it's something really that we're experimenting with right now. And I think that the benefits were, we're a very data driven company. So we're uh, really, you know, test and learn, including things like this is our approach. We're gathering data, but some of the hypotheses we're exploring are first, it can be its own channel that's profitable, which is good. Second is that it could potentially be a way to convert players that maybe aren't comfortable right away going on the mobile app and want to do it in person first, and eventually they get comfortable with your brand, you can convert them onto the mobile app. And thirdly, it's an important part of our partnerships with many of the companies, the casinos that we're partnering with, many of them. Part of why they want to partner with us is we're a known brand and have a big database and Having a DraftKings-branded sportsbook at their casino will help them drive traffic. And that's good for them in terms of filling rooms and also getting people to cross over onto their other games. Is that going to expand from your perspective into physical sports arenas? So, for example, I know you guys for a while have had so-called DraftKings lounges at certain places, including Gillette Stadium here in Boston, for your daily fantasy products. And I know when I visited the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the NHL team last year, and said, well, are you going to have a physical sportsbook? They said, no, everyone will just bet on their phones in their seats. But we are hearing 
some talk, for example, in D.C., potentially of having physical sports books attached to arenas. How do you see that playing out? Is that going to become, if not a norm, a common thing at U.S. sports arenas? My opinion is that mobile is going to just continue to be the dominant way that people bet. It's not going to go down in terms of percentage. It'll go up and that won't stop until it's most of how people do it. And so that's where we're primarily investing. That's the future. And there may be some period of time due to a combination of regulations and customer behaviors where there's a decent amount coming on the brick and mortar side. But I don't see that as the long term market. DraftKings and your rival FanDuel, you guys both kind of came to the, say, general consciousness a couple of years ago around this time when you had this just kind of overwhelming ad blitz kind of around everything sports, but particularly around things football. Looking back a couple of years later, it obviously cost a lot. Was that the right thing to do? And how often should a you know casual NFL fan? And expect to see you know, DraftKings branding this season? I think it was the right thing to do given the circumstances at the time. I had tried earlier to merge companies and I wasn't able to convince the other side to do it at the time. So, you know, we ended up in a competitive battle and I think it was necessary in order to establish our brand and market position. But in an ideal world, it would have been a little bit more steady and there wouldn't have been as much of an explosion that year in ads. I think it, it kind of caught everybody off guard and had some negative effects as well, uh, although it did significantly grow our business. We and it grew our customer base by like over 10x that year. But, you know, as far as going forward, I think there it depends on how the leagues want to approach the media companies. But I think there can be more than just advertising. There can be really cool content integration, separate streams for betters and fantasy players and all kinds of different things that I know are of interest. But, you know, hard to know exactly where that'll go with the pace of technology by the time, you know, enough to other there's enough openness. There'll probably be new ways to innovate that aren't even available today. Thank you, Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings. My final two right after this. The equity fund resource group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, Bridge Bank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is YouTube, which says it will make some major policy changes related to its kids' content just one day after agreeing to a $170 million government fine for violating children's privacy laws. Specifically, YouTube now says it will do more to promote its kids-specific app. It also pledges to stop running personalized ad on kids' content, turn off comments and notifications on videos for kids, and will treat data from anyone watching children's content on its main site as if it was being watched by a child, regardless of the viewer's actual age, and in doing so, limit data collection on those videos. As Axios' Sarah Fisher writes this morning, quote, the changes show that YouTube is taking the issue more seriously, even if children's privacy advocates argue the $170 million fine was way too small. And finally, the devastation in the Bahamas is unimaginable and, and we continue to get awful new pictures, but there soon could be a political battle over foreign aid. Axios this morning reports that the Trump administration is worried about the implications if China rushes in to help, particularly if that help includes telecom infrastructure work by Huawei, the Chinese tech giant that has faced fierce national security resistance in the U.S. Remember, huge amounts of the Bahamas' telecom networks have been wiped away, so someone needs to rebuild them. It's possible that fear of China could cause the U.S. to help more and help faster 
faster than it otherwise would have. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Lily Wimberly, have a great National Cheese Pizza Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.